your Bibles this morning, please, again to the little book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. And the little book of 1 John has been likened to looking, through, flipping through a family photograph album. And while flipping through family photograph albums, you'll quickly notice that you see people in different ages and different stages of life. You see their baby pictures. You see elementary school pictures. You see high school pictures and maybe sporting events they're involved in. And college pictures. And, you know, they've got age on them. You see some wedding pictures. And on and on and on you go. And you might even see some retirement party pictures. And then pictures of grandkids with them and all sorts of things. And all of this is very right and very normal. No one begins life as a fully developed adult. Even when God himself stepped into human flesh, how did he come? He came as a little baby, right? Born to the virgin. Now, thankfully, our church is filled this morning with people in different ages and stages of life. There are babies down in the nursery. There are young ones down in children's church. And, of course, in this room, there are those who have blonde hair and black hair. Then there's gray hair and white hair and no hair. I mean, there are people in all different stages and ages of life. And all of that is right and all of that is good and all of that is wonderful. Now, that's true. In the physical realm, that's true when it comes to our human life and our human bodies. But did you know it's also true when it comes to the spiritual realm? No one starts out the Christian life as a fully developed, mature believer in Jesus Christ. Everybody starts out the Christian life in the very same way. They start out as a newborn babe in Christ. Everybody. Now in life, we're born... And then we are to grow. That's the normal pattern. Uh, This week we'll be taking our uh, youngest, little Graham, in for his one-year checkup. And they'll examine him and they'll weigh him and they'll measure his uh, height and they'll measure the circumference of his head. They'll tell us where he stacks up on the growth chart. Parents, you know about the growth charts, right? Uh, They measure and weigh and look at your child. Then they tell you, well, here's how your child stacks up against the other children of his age across the board. Your baby's in the 50th percentile when it comes to weight. He's in the the 20th for height, and he's off the chart when it comes to the size of his head. And uh, you you don't know how to take that sometimes. You don't know how to say, well, great, or thanks, or what are you going to do, right? I mean, if his head's big, what are you going to do? I mean, can't put him on a head reduction diet, but Anyway, you, you begin to wonder how to take all that, but you look at the growth chart and you look at your child. And what we have before us here in 1 John today, beloved, is really a biblical growth chart. We'll get a picture kind of where we are when it comes to our spiritual growth. I was here this past weekend. And I think they were about to go home in our weekday children's ministry. And the, the kids were downstairs. And I was looking for a tape measure. And so I couldn't find one. I came out and asked the ladies that had a tape measure. They found one. They found another tape measure. And Stephanie uh, began to measure the kids. She'd stand up against the door frame. And, and she'd take the tape there. And she'd look at him and say, well, you're here. And, and uh, you know what? The kids loved that. They wanted to know how tall they were and how they were growing. You know, kids don't mind stepping on the scales when they go to the doctor. Did you ever notice that? No, I'll step on the... Now, us, we're we're not so excited about the scales at the doctor's office. And in all honesty, when it comes to our spiritual growth, it can be discouraging at times. Um, uh, Hebrews 5, 11 to 13, listen to these verses. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing for... 
Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who is partaking only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. It's a, it's a passage talking to those who've been saved for some time, but they have not grown like they should have. And so we can get discouraged. But listen, today's passage, today's message is not about discouragement. John's purpose here, I believe, is a purpose of encouragement. And and my purpose here is to encourage you in your spiritual walk. No matter what age you are, no matter what stage you are, when it comes to your Christian life, you never outgrow the need for encouragement. Did you know that? Uh, Joel Manby is the CEO of Hershen Family Entertainment. It's a company that uh, operates theme parks, aquariums, and other family attractions. And Manby was featured on the hit Undercover Boss. Have you ever watched Undercover Boss? It's a fun show to watch and see them go undercover. When the show, he mentioned that he took a job with Hershen because of their Christian values. While working undercover, Joel discovered that what most of the bosses discover. Their employees work hard, have overcome many challenges, and have good ideas. At the end of the show, when the workers find out they're working with the boss, Manby seemed genuinely touched when people wept at the words, well done, from him. In a later interview, Joel said he has come to the conclusion that CEO ought to stand for Chief Encouragement Officer. Chief Encouragement Officer. We need some of those types of CEOs in our life, don't we? We need some folks to serve as chief encouragement officers to us. And so with that in mind, John's going to do that for us here today in his little book in 1 John chapter 2, reading just three verses. 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse number 12. Would you follow along as I read? 1 John 2, 12. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you've known the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, those three verses seem pretty straightforward, don't they? But as I've studied them, I've found otherwise. In fact, listen to what Bible scholar D. Edmund Hebert says about those three verses. Here's what he says. These three verses constitute one of the most debated passages in 1 John. Those three verses there. Talking about little children and young men and fathers. One of the most debated passages in 1 John. You might be thinking, well, why? Well, there's a great disagreement as to exactly who... John is writing to, and likewise, what he's referring to. Now listen, think with me for a moment. Everyone I studied, and as I looked at it myself, agreed that it's written to believers. This is written to those who know and love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But the problem is, some believe it's written to every believer. That each one of those things is addressed to every believer, just looking at it from a different angle. Then others say, no, it's written at the beginning to everybody. And then you have two different groups being talked to. Then others say, no, it's written to everybody. But then you have three different groups is talking to there. And then there's the question about what's he referring to? Is he talking about their physical age? Is he talking about their their spiritual uh, stage and development? And then what about the ladies? And what about the girls? Where are they in this passage? He talks about little children. Yes, 
But then he says, young men, and then he says, fathers. What about the young ladies? What about the mothers? Are they excluded? Well, let me give you the conclusion of my study, and then we'll see it unfold more. But so you know where we're going. I'm convinced that, first of all, John is writing to every believer, and I'll show you that in a moment. And then I believe, as we'll study this, that he's addressing three different groups within those believers. Furthermore, I'm convinced that he's talking primarily not about age, physical age, but about different levels and and stages of spiritual growth, because we all know, I hope, that physical age does not equal spiritual maturity. And so there's different spiritual levels here. And finally, the ladies are not excluded at all. He's writing in general terms here. So it would include men and women. Now, we'll see more of that as we begin to peel back the layers in a moment. But I want to give you a basic overview of what we're talking about here. And as we examine this, we're going to see that John has encouraging words for all believers. And then he has some specific words for newer believers, newer Christians, and then growing Christians, and then mature Christians. First of all, a word to all believers. A word for all believers. Look at verse 12. It says there in chapter 2, verse 12, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Now, you'll notice as we go through this, the designation of little children, young men and fathers, all of them are used twice. They're all used twice. We find the term little children in verses 12 and 13. But what you don't see in your English Bible is there's a different Greek word used there. It's a different Greek word in verse 12 that says little children and a different Greek word in verse 13 that says little children. Now, the word in verse 12 before us, now think with me now. It's a common one that John uses throughout the book. It's a term of endearment. We believe the Apostle John is an aged fellow at this time. He's an older man, an older saint, and he refers to them as little children. And no matter what their age or stage, they're younger than he is, more than likely. So he's talking to them as a term of endearment. And that word literally means born one, someone who is born. It describes everyone who is a part of the family of God. In fact, we think about his gospel, John 12, uh, 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. And so it's a message to everybody who's a saved, born again child of God. He uses that word several times in it. He uses it in chapter, one, or chapter 2, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 12, chapter 2, verse 28, chapter 3, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 18, chapter 4, verse 4, chapter 5, verse 21. He uses that term, little children, little children, little children, little children, a term of endearment. And if you have turned from your sin, And place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. John is speaking to you in verse 12. And what he shares is one of the most encouraging things he could ever share with you. Look at it again. I write to you, little children. If you're a child of God, I write to you. Put your name there. Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. What's the truth he shares with you? Your sins are forgiven. Now, just camp there for a moment. Just think about that for a moment, Christian. All of your sins are forgiven. All of them. Your sins, your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. They're all forgiven. 
Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says it this way. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You're forgiven. Hallelujah. That if you don't take anything else with you today, take that with you. If you're a child of God today, you are forgiven. Now I could stop right there praying we'd be done. But I'm not going to. So y'all don't get too excited. <laughs> There's more here. Now, we've already studied here that we know that when we're saved, all of our sins is forgiven, but then we still slip up and sin, don't we? We still sin. And we talked about the fact that when we do, we do not lose our, fellow, our, our sonship or our daughtership. We're forgiven, but we lose our fellowship with the Father. And when we sin, we're to go to the Father, 1 John 1, 9. We're to confess our sins, that is, we agree with Him, and He is faithful and just to forgive us and put us back into a right fellowship. But judicially speaking, all of your sin is forgiven. Past, present, future, it's all gone. And so when we sin, it doesn't affect our daughtership, doesn't affect our sonship. We're still in the family, but we're out of fellowship with God. And so we come along, we get that parental forgiveness. But judicially speaking, our sin will never be held against us. Hallelujah. Now, notice why. Notice it says, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. That is the Lord Jesus. You see, it's not our worth or merit. It's not something we earned or is owed to us. We're saved because of what Jesus did for us and because of who Jesus is. He died upon that cross, taking our sin upon his sinless person. He bled. He died. He was buried. He rose again victorious. And we're forgiven because of him. It's because of his name's sake. Because of him. Named there standing for his character. Named there standing for who he is. Because of who he is and what he's done, we can have forgiveness. And I wonder today, friend, does that verse describe you? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you know that there are really only two groups in this room today? There are the forgiven and there are the unforgiven. The lost and the saved. The children of God and children of the devil. John 8, 39 through 44. There's only two groups. And so the question is, have you turned from your sin and placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, for the forgiveness of sin? If not, why not today? Why not right now? Call upon him and he will save you. He'll forgive you. You came in this morning loaded down with guilt and sin, but you can leave here in a few moments. Forgiven. And free because of his namesake. Now, listen, beloved, verse 12 is for every believer. It's encouraging. Your sin is forgiven, but he's not through. One pastor I read noted there are four stages in our physical life. Four stages. Childhood, youth, adulthood, and, and my, you're looking wonderful. There, there are four stages when it comes to, to physical uh, development. But really, there are only three stages of spiritual life here. There are the little children, the young men, and the fathers, the mature fathers. So let's look at it today. We've had a word for all believers, first of all, verse 12. Now a word for newer believers. A word for newer believers. In verse 13, we find that phrase again, little children. Little children. I write to you little children because you've known the father. But it's a different Greek word. It refers to a child who's still under authority. 
Wearsby said the word in 1 John 2.13 carries the idea of immature ones or little children still under the authority of their teachers or tutors. These are young Christians who have not yet grown up in Christ like physical children. These spiritual children know their father, but they still have some growing to do. These are new believers. These are believers that are still young in the faith. And as new believers or as newer believers, they need to grow. Babies, physically speaking, need to eat, don't they? That's right. That's good. And if they don't eat, something's wrong. If they don't eat, we have to explore and find out what's going on in their life. They need the milk to grow. First Peter 2, 2 says this. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Beloved, babies and young children need lots of care, don't they? Jerry Vines talked about in his work on First John, the fact that our church, a church, a church, our church should be involved in spiritual obstetrics. That is, we should be seeing people born into the family of God and we're involved in spiritual obstetrics. But then we also need to be involved in spiritual pediatrics because you have these little baby Christians running around and we need to help care for them and guide them and disciple them and help them to grow. But you know what? What a blessing to see here that even though these people, these little children are babies in Christ and young children in Christ, it says they still know the father. You know what? My son, Graham, he's one, just turned one yesterday. He doesn't know a lot of stuff. He doesn't know what a Bible is, really. He can't tell me the books of the Bible. He can't tell me all sorts of things in life, but he knows who his daddy is. He knows who his daddy is. And a newborn child of God may not know the books of the Bible. They may not understand theology. They may not understand a ton of stuff when it comes to the spiritual life. But they know one thing. They know the Father. And that's the difference, beloved. They're in the family. They know the Father. Even as a baby, they know the Father. What a blessing to know the Father. They're in the family. Now, babyhood and childhood are important, vital stages. But they're not final stages. Someone has said that God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. God wants you to grow. So I said this word is for newer believers. But listen, I should interject this. It is possible for a person to be a believer for a long period of time and yet still be a baby. That is not normal. That is abnormal. That is not the way it's supposed to be. And it's possible for a person to be saved for years and years and yet never be progressing. That is not normal. Everybody's supposed to grow just as a baby is born and begins to grow. So a word for all believers, verse 12, a word for newer believers there, verse 13, C. now a word for growing believers. And maybe that's where you are today. In verses 13 and 14, we find that young men are addressed twice. In 13b, it says you've overcome the wicked one. In 14b, it says you are strong. The word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one. Now, who are these young men and young ladies? Who are these believers? Maybe we're not talking about physical age. They may have been young. We're not talking about physical age, though. It's about spiritual stages of growth. These young men and women here are growing believers. We have a mission statement here at Red Hill, three G's. The first one's glorify God. The second one is grow more like Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, our, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. 
Now, what does it say about these young men, these young people? It says they're strong. That's true, physically speaking, most of the time. Younger, they're strong. They have a strength about them. And it says not only are they strong, they're victorious. It says they're overcoming, they're a conqueror. They're overcoming the evil one, that is the devil. Now, how is it that they're strong? And how is it that they're an overcomer? What's the key? Well, the key, listen, the key is in verse 14. Where it says in verse 14, that the word abides in you. That word abide there means to remain or stay in you. That is the word of God is in them. That's how they're strong. That's how they're conquering. The key to growth in the spiritual life, the key to growth in the Christian life is the word of God. That little baby eats and eats and eats and he gets stronger and stronger and he goes from milk to meat. Did you know the Bible is milk and meat? I shared with you earlier about that passage there in Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, where it talks about being unskillful in the word because you're still in milk. Verse 14 of Hebrews 5 says, this, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, you wouldn't take a newborn baby and sit them in their high chair and throw a T-bone in front of them. They're not ready for that. You give them milk and then you begin to feed them. They get a little bit more uh, uh, solid food. And then there comes a day where they're ready for the T-bone as they grow. And so the Bible's milk and it's meat. And that doesn't mean it's two different teachings. That means it's our understanding of the word. We understand some things on very basic levels. We begin to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And the only way to go from being a little baby and a little child And then to a young man or young woman of strength and vitality is to get plenty of nutrition, good nutrition. And when it comes to the Christian life, plenty of good biblical nutrition. Now, boyhood, childhood, youth, all of this is important. They're important stages, but they're not the final stage, not the final destination. There's more to come. As David Jeremiah said, the Bible is clear. God wants us to grow up before we grow old. He wants us to grow up before we grow old. So there's a final group he talks to here, and it's the fathers. And the fathers are mentioned twice in this passage. You probably noted them with me. And here we have a word for mature believers, a word for mature believers. In verse 13a, it says, I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. In verse 14a, he says, I've written to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. Same thing twice. Again, this applies not just to men, but to women and men. He says the same thing. He says, listen, you've known him who is from the beginning. These believers are mature. Some of them, no doubt, mature in physical age, but spiritually speaking, they're mature. They're believers who have walked with the Lord for some time. They've come to know him. That is, they've come through those early stages. They've come through the stage of being little children. They've come through the stage of being young men and young women, and now they are mature. They are fathers. They've reached a level of maturity and depth in their Christian life. They're not done growing. None of us are. But they're mature. To them, we might say that the word of God has gone from becoming becoming just milk and meat to now it's become honey. It's become sweet. Did you know the Bible is also honey? Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. They know the Lord on a very intimate level. They know him in a very personal way. They're mature. 
I like this. Some would describe maturity in this way. They defined it. Listen to this definition. Maturity is moving from soft skin and a tough heart to tough skin and a soft heart. That's good, isn't it? Maturity is moving from soft skin and a tough heart to tough skin and a soft heart. Now, of course, when it comes to growing in the Christian life, there are two sides. There's God's side and our side. There's God's part and our part. We've got to have God's power, God's enablement, God's working, God's Holy Spirit to grow us and mature us. But we must also participate in the process. How do we grow up in the Lord? We stay in the word. We stay in prayer and we obey his word. When it comes to spiritual maturity, I was struck by something that Pastor John Curson wrote. Would you listen to his testimony? He said, as you walk with Jesus, spiritual life gets simpler and simpler. Because the longer you walk with him, the fewer principles there are. He said, I used to have notebooks full of principles concerning success in ministry and theology and family. But the more time that passes, the more I say, Jesus, you're my life, not ministry, not theology, not success as a family, but just you. I love being with you. I love talking with you. I just love you. And he said this. That's when you know you're reaching the state of spiritual fatherhood or implied motherhood. And the interesting thing about fathers is that there's reproduction in the office, on the campus, around the neighborhood. Others sense the Lord in you and are inspired to follow in your footsteps. I appreciate his candid honesty in that testimony. Starting out trying to learn all these principles and just coming back to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I love you. We sang it earlier, didn't we? My Jesus, I love you. I know thou art mine. Well, this morning we've taken some measurements. And as we stand you against the wall and as the, the tape is stretched out, beloved, I wonder where are you today? Where are you on this growth chart? First of all, are you even in the family? Are you saved? If not, come to Christ today. But those of you who are born again, maybe you're still a little child. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to grow. To grow. Get into the word. Allow the word to get into you. Begin feasting upon the word. Praying through it. And then obeying it. And begin to grow. There may be some who, as you stand up against the wall, you find yourself as a young man or young woman. You're a growing Christian, but you still got a lot of room to grow. I want to encourage you this morning to keep yourself in the word so you continue to overcome the temptation, overcome the evil one and continue moving toward mature maturity. And then finally, there are those who are back up against the wall. We stretch out the tape. We find that you're a spiritual father or a spiritual mother, a mature believer. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to be a CEO. I want to encourage you to be a chief encouragement officer to those that are still growing Christians, to those who are still baby Christians, to those who are still little children, to encourage them. I want to encourage you to be a CEO in their life. I want to encourage you to invest your life into others, helping them to know the Lord like you know him. Isn't that what John is doing in First John? He's investing in their lives. He's investing in our lives. 
He's walked with the Lord. He knows the Lord. He's a spiritual father. And he's here encouraging them. Listen, little children, you know the father. Young men and young women, you're growing and you're overcoming the evil one. You're saying no to temptation. You're growing strong in the Lord. And you that are spiritual fathers, man, you know him. You you know him at a deep level. Rejoice. Rejoice. May I encourage you today to keep growing in the Lord. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this time. I pray if anybody here does not know Jesus, would they come right now as we sing this closing song, allow somebody to take a Bible and share Christ with them. And then, Lord, for those of us who know you, would you help us to be honest before you today to see exactly where we are and where we're going and help us, Lord, to keep growing. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll raise up some of these spiritual fathers and mothers and may they operate as CEOs in this place, chief encouragement officers, encouraging others to keep, keep growing, keep going, keep knowing the Lord in a deeper and deeper way. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning's 576, Take the Name of Jesus With You. If you need to be saved today, here's what I ask you to do. As we begin singing, come down here. I'll meet you at the front, place you with someone who loves Jesus, loves you. They're going to take a Bible and share Christ with you. That's all they're going to do. And lead you to Calvary. Believer, if you're here today, maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you're not growing as you all. Maybe you're not where you ought to be. You've been saved for some time. Maybe you're still a spiritual babe. Would you come today and ask the Lord's help and enablement that you might grow? Whatever God's saying to you, would you be responsive today as we stand and sing? 576, take the name of Jesus with you. Let's stand and sing.